We'll go a little bit further with it. If you, yeah, we've been talking about two parallel paths for 2023. I'm doing this as a, a, hopefully as a good shepherd or a path or a pastor, I'm sorry, as a good shepherd to, to help us. The next two years are going to be the best years of our life, but they're going to be the most chaotic of our life. Maybe, and I hope it's not chaotic for you, but it's going to be chaotic around us. It all comes down. I'm going to do a review of the last two weeks. You can get them online if you want. YouTube channel, podcast, whatever. Although last week's wasn't recorded. The sound booth did something weird. And so, um, but anyway, we're going to see the next two years the most awesome moves of God. Like this morning, that worship was great. We prayed over Doug. His, his vision increased. That wasn't even what he came up for. We prayed over something else, and he goes, I can see what's on the stage. Isn't that cool? And so, um, but things are going to happen. We're going to see God moving like we've never seen Him before. And outside, uh, and that's because we're obeying God. When you obey God, order comes in your life. Why? Because you're obeying what causes your spirit, soul, and body to line up with His Bible. The Bible is everything. Sometime in the future, I don't know, this is every week, I just keep getting more on this subject. Sometime in the future, we're going to talk about the importance of the Word of God. The Bible. The Bible is under attack. It's considered an ancient document, but I'm telling you, it's life. If, 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 if you're not already, every day just start reading the Proverbs, if nothing else. There's 31 chapters. You, know, you can read one verse, because one whole chapter is a lot. I can't really dodge. A lot of people say, well, read one chapter for every day of the month. That's a good plan, but to me, I can't get through but like three verses, because it's just too rich. If you want your life to be in order, start reading Proverbs. It's a great one. If you want to get to know God better, start read in intimacy, start reading Psalms. Just whatever. The amount you read is not important. You read, and then when the Holy Spirit starts coming on the page, stop there on that verse. Stop, meditate, take it with you the rest of the day, and then pick it up the next tomorrow. Uh, if you read a chapter or two before that happens, fine. If you read one verse, great, stop. But read Proverbs, Psalms, especially start around 100, is a great way to start bringing in intimacy. And what happens is when you do that, when you start obeying the Lord and getting close to Him, your life gets in order and new life comes inside of you. We're going to see this go off the scale like a rocket among us here. I guarantee you. And But at the same time that we're doing that... The world is going, no way. I want to do my own thing. I'm not surrendering myself to God. I'm going to do what I want to do, what makes me feel great. The Bible calls that lawlessness. I know that's a word we don't really use. Um, 1 John 3, 4 describes what lawlessness is. 1 John 3, 4. Everyone who sins breaks the law. In fact, sin is lawlessness. Now, there are basic sins we don't want to do. We talked about this last week, like the Ten Commandments. You don't even have to pray. You know, do not commit adultery. Do not murder. Have no other gods before me. Do not steal. Go on and on. You can go back and find them in Exodus 20. So you got the Ten Commandments. But then there's other things that he's whispering in, in your ear. Craig, your life's going to be a whole lot more in order, and you're going to have a whole lot more life if you stop these things. And if we don't, then we move over into lawlessness. And we can do this in parallel. You can be obeying God in some areas of your life, and in those areas of your life, there's order and there's life. If you, if you say, well, I'm, 
I'm going to follow God in this area, but not that area. What you do is you open the door for chaos. And when when you um, open the door for chaos, it begins slow death. It could be fast death. But everything in your life, every morning you make a decision, you make two, you make one decision to go two ways. Everything you do at work, here, with your family. Am I going to obey God and follow His rules, which always produces blessings in the end? It may tick off people around you. Or am I going to do my own thing and eventually it will cause chaos and bring death? Maybe slow death. Simple. Look around and go, I'm choosing obedience to those around you. I I am not choosing lawlessness. Now, our country is way past lawlessness. Decades ago, we made a decision. We, hopefully none of us in this room, but we made a decision as a country, we're going to do our own thing. It greatly accelerated with the hippie movement in the 1960s. With, uh, you know, the sexual revolution, bordering on anarchy and everything else, and there was riots, cities burning. It greatly accelerated, it calmed down, but in the last decade it has accelerated. In 2021, we had, what, 68 cities on fire to some degree or another. That's just pure lawlessness. It used to be, with thinking of the hippies and the sexual revolution there, their big thing with the sexual immorality was sleeping with your girlfriend outside of marriage. That was radical and scandalous. Well, now most Christians do that. Now it's homosexuality, it's pedophilia, it's just gotten gross. Okay? That's not what we're doing, but it leads towards chaos and death. Violence, sexual immorality, corruption is going, in my opinion, is going to increase the next two years. It's just going to get worse. Why? It always does. You see this all through the Bible. I just got through reading the 12 minor prophets. It was a chore. I felt I was supposed to do that. All through there, the same theme. I'm going to give you Craig's Cliff Notes of the 12 minor prophets, which is the last 12 books of the Bible. It goes like this. They start going down the path of lawlessness, thinking I'm good enough to control my life. They get into chaos. Sin comes in. God sends a prophet, says repent, or something bad's going to happen. It varies from each book, but it usually ends up in some kind of slavery, overtaking of war, some kind of uh, physical bondage. And they ignore him because he is long-suffering. Some of these prophets prophesied the same message for decades. And they got to the place, listen to me, because I'm about to apply it to America. He hasn't done it so far in the last 20 years. There must not be a God or the prophet's wrong. And then eventually, ban. Babylon, Babylon comes in. Assyria comes in. Persians come in and haul them off somewhere. We are at that exact same place in America where the voice of us and you live by the Bible, follow the Ten Commandments, obey Him. That is old-fashioned. It must not be God because nothing has happened. And so we continue on this. And so I'm, I'm going to give you three things. You can go to the second slide. We're going to go, I'm going to give you three things as we go through this next two years. I'm going to repeatedly just probably whenever I sense that we need it, I'm going to repeatedly, um, uh, 
Mike, you can go to the second one on that that same thing, uh, if you can find it. It's the same slide. Yeah, there you go. We're going to repeatedly emphasize these two things over and over the next three years or a couple years this year or whatever. And I'm telling you, it's going to get us through and we're going to go 2023 and 2024 was pure chaos in America, but it was the best years of my life. Because we're going to see him move like we've never seen him before. Um, Let's talk about this first one. We may not get past this first one today. All right. But we will. Um, So let's talk about faith. So I'm going to frame it with the negative because sometimes it's hard to understand faith without the negative. I think this is going to be one of the greatest things we have to overcome this next year when grocery stores get less food than they do now. Maybe gas doubles. Things get tougher. Maybe we lose our job and we have to look for another one. Is fear. Fear, I'm just telling you right now, I'm not prophesying negativity because we're going to overcome it. If we're not careful, I think we're going to be attacked by a lot of fear, especially if you watch a lot of news. Fear is never God. So when fear starts hitting you and you get this sense of fear, worry and anxiety is low-level fear. Worry and anxiety is never God. I'm going to talk through this. So when worry comes, anxiety comes, fear comes, we're going to have to shift into faith. Now, worry, when we look at the circumstances around us, maybe in a family member, maybe us, maybe on the news, maybe your job like I talked about, There is going to be opportunities for worry and anxiety and fear, and they're in the natural. They're around you. Those aren't going away. But we're going to learn how to be warriors to not let them get inside of us. Well, you don't know what my brain is. It's worry and anxiety. We're going to talk through that and work through it because we want to get it out of us. The only way you get it out is by faith. Faith is this, is believing that the God I cannot see and in the circumstances that are bad, is going to come through for me, and He is greater than my circumstances. Faith is believing in something you physically can't see, and you may not see hope on the surrounding areas around us, but faith is a hallmark of Christianity. I I don't think God's caused the chaos in this country, as we talked about last week. The chaos in this country is because man is choosing lawlessness. It's not even, I don't even think it's the judgment of God. People go ask me, do you think America's under judgment? I don't think so. I think we have judged ourselves with our behavior, and this is what's happened. Deuteronomy 28, 1 and 2 says, If you listen to my voice and obey my commandments, all these things will be happen to you up through verse 14. Verse 15, it says, If you do not listen to my voice and do not obey my commandments... All this other stuff through the end of the chapter will happen to you. Did God judge you? 
No, we were like Adam and Eve and said, I don't want to eat from the tree of life. I want to eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil because I will always pick good. We know that doesn't work out too well, does it? And so, I think in the midst of this, God is setting us up as Christians to exit this crisis. And it'll be exited. Some of the most biggest, strongest faith warriors that have ever been in history since the first century. Because you, you, because once you die and go to heaven, you don't need faith. <coughs> Everything's great. There's nothing to believe for. His kingdom is in order. And there's no problems there. So the opportunity to learn faith is in the midst of chaos. So I'm in a weird, perverted, strange way, sort of excited. I want to see some of the biggest miracles, some of the most redeemed lives, some of the coolest things happen during the next couple of years. So, 2 Timothy 1.7, written 2,000 years ago. <clears throat> For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. We've heard of these things. We've talked about these things. We're going to get to practice it. So when that worry starts coming in your brain, that anxiety starts coming in your brain, change your circumstances. This is what I do. I do three R's. I rebuke it. I run away, and I'll tell you what that means, and I try to redirect. So when worry, this is practical, you can write down the three R's. When when fear comes, worry comes, anxiety comes. See, worry and anxiety is low-level fear. If you harp on it, if you stay on it, it'll turn into full-blown fear, and it's really hard to get it, get it out of you. We have to capture those thoughts immediately. Um, 2 Corinthians 10, I'll come back to the three R's. <coughs> 2 Timothy, 2 Corinthians 10, 3 says this, For though we live in this world, parentheses, of the United States of America, of Whitfield County, we do not wage world, war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. Do you realize what the strongest stronghold is? It's between your brain. Between your ears, it ain't between your brain, between your ears, your brain. Verse 5, we demolish arguments in every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And here we go, here's where the three R's come. We take captive every thought. If you just allow the thoughts to come in and come out and think about it, you're gonna, you, you will end up giving in to worry, anxiety, and fear. You have to be proactive. You have to get aggressive. You have to get mean. You have to get mad in a good way. And, and I love what James, James says. It says, rebuke the devil and he will flee. Now, sometimes you probably need to rebuke yourself, but that's a good place to start. <clears throat> so the first R is rebuke. You go fear, worry, anxiety, care about some relative, worry about my bills, whatever your circumstances, I rebuke that worry, that fear, and anxiety. I tell it to go in the name of Jesus. Now, if you've allowed those thoughts to run around in your brain like a, a hamster on a, 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 a wheel cage, 
over and over again. You may have to do that a thousand times one day. And I'm not exaggerating. Because it's gotten used to living in your head. It likes living in your head. And so a thousand times I say, I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. I rebuke that fear. Now that's, that's a good start, but you need to, you need to run and redirect your thoughts somewhere else. What does that mean? Change your surroundings if you have to. How many of you in bed, right before you go to bed, or right when you wake up in the morning, the worry and the anxiety and the fear and all that stuff just starts dropping in? That's when it happens to me the most. Or you wake up in the middle of the night in a cold sweat with stuff affecting you. I may be the only one, but whatever your circumstance is, what do I need to do? I need to get out of the bed. That's running. And go read a book or watch TV or listen to music or read Proverbs or Psalms. Redirect. Rebuke, run and redirect. Do something different if you can. Now, if you're at at work and you're on a Shaw manufacturing line, do not run from that. You can rebuke those thoughts in your head and try to think on something else, okay? And uh, But you've got to actively pursue it or that fear will just eat you up. So you may have to do it a thousand times the first day. The next day it's 999 times. You can't quite tell any difference. Eventually, it, your brain will start changing. And you start going, I rebuke the devil. God, This is where faith comes in. God has good things planned for me. Jeremiah 29.11 The plans that I have for you are for a hope and a future. So just say this, I rebuke that worry. I'm not going to lose my house. I thank you that God's going to show me a way to get out of that. So you have to do the opposite. When you do the opposite, that's faith. And it believes that the God that you cannot see, I acknowledge that, is a big God and He's going to come through. And then when He comes through, you go, that was pretty cool. And it encourages you. So the three R's, rebuke, run, and redirect. Um. I think of Judges 7. I'm not going to go through the whole story. But this is one of these times that the Israelites were having to fight an enemy called the Midianites. There's some crazy names, right? Of course, if they came today and got in our culture, they think we would have crazy names. The Midianites were a crazy name. They would go, Georgians? What is that? That is a crazy name, okay? It's all cultural. But they were, the Midianites were coming against them, and this guy named Gideon, God picked them out to fight the Midianites. You go back and read it in Judges 7. It's in the Old Testament. It's a great story. This guy was a scaredy cat. He was a wimp. You would never pick him to kick the kickball on your kickball team, okay? He was just not a, he was just not there. God picked him out on purpose because he was wanting to make a lesson. So, I'm, I'm summarizing. I'm going to go to Judges 7, verse 3. They assembled an army of 32,000 men, which was not enough numerically to overtake the Midianites. 32,000. That's still a pretty good start, but wasn't enough. They were going to die. And Gideon was whining and complaining, I'm going to die. It reminds me of me a lot of times in the middle of the night when I'm laying in the bed. I'm not going to physically die, but I'm going to die somehow or another. And I start whining somehow or another. <clears throat> God comes in. He decides to up the ante. He's going to up the ante in your life. He comes and says, announce to the troops, whoever is scared, leave and go back home. Are you kidding me? We don't even have enough as it is. 
You know, in the midst of fear, worry, and anxiety that's going to, it's going to attack you in the next two, two years. I'm not trying to be mean. We're going to come back to judges here. But you realize God knows this about you? Because you live in the kingdom of Satan that man has chosen and the Satan is all about fear. Fear is mentioned 365 times in the Bible. I did not personally count them. So if you go and count them and say I'm one off, I'm going to plead somebody else counted them. The Google is great, okay? 365 times. I don't know if that's a coincidence, but that's at least once a day. So it's a prevalent problem. And so, so these fears, these worries, these anxieties come to you in lies about what's happening. It gets you to redirect you off of the goodness of God onto the circumstances around you. And you forget about God's character. Fear, if we let worry, anxiety, and fear overtake us, then it will limit you being fruitful. So this is a big battle we're going to lead. Win. So he goes, announce to the troops, whoever is scared, leave. There's 32,000. 22,000 men left. That's a lot of scaredyness. That's not a word, is he? A bunch of scaredy cats. I wonder where that word came from, that cultural thing. But there's a bunch of scaredy cats, 22. So now they're down to 10,000. <clears throat> I don't want anybody in the RC family to leave because they're feared, afraid. Now, I've never gotten to the place where I'm not afraid. I hopefully am getting better that when there is fear, I rebuke it, declare the goodness of God. Philippians 4, 6, and 7 says, Bring to Him all your anxieties and worries, and the peace which surpasses all understanding shall overtake you. And even when I rebuke it and I start walking in faith, that thing still sometimes sort of stays out here. Well, you can stay out there. But I'm not going to be known. I don't want to be known one of these scaredy cats. Okay, I'm going to read to you a uh, a quote from the Lord of the Rings. It's a real biblical quote. <laughs> but it's a good quote. How many of you that watched the movie heard of Samwise Gamgee? Gamgee? Is that how you pronounce it? He was the one that helped Frodo get the ring and go on. Um, and they were talking about... Well, let me just jump in. He said, there are folks that have paths before them, but many of them turn back. Some don't. He's talking about him and Frodo. For those of us that don't turn back, we shall be known. Those that turn back will have been forgotten. Now, I don't want to get on an ego-arrogant trip. But I want to be a part of Hebrews 11. If you've ever read Hebrews 11, go read it. It's a list that up to that time, which is around the, you know, 50 AD, of all these people that did cool stuff. It doesn't say this in the Greek, but many Bibles at the top put the Hall of Faith up there. It's like a museum. Have you ever been to a museum and you see all these busts in stone and granite of people there? Sort of what they were doing. Now, I don't want an ego trip, but I do want this. Craig, in the midst of all that's going on in 2023, 2024, did not lose faith in God. He had to do the three R's a bunch, thousand times a day, rebuke, run, redirect. But he was still there at the end. He was not part of the 22,000. 
We're going to do it, man. Now there's 10,000 left. I'm going to summarize the story because I didn't write those verses down. I don't want to turn over to it now. It ended up getting down to 300. 9,700 were sent on the road again. And then those 300 got down to three different groups of 100. So we're fighting in a group of 100. You know what the difference was of those three groups that of 100? I mean, that got down to 300? He told the other 9,700 to go home because they didn't drink water right from the river. This is a very confusing passage. He said, take the 10,000, go down to the river and get a drink. And then he told Gideon, said, watch them. They came into two groups of people that drank water. Now, physically, yes, they drank water and he sent home 9,700. But there's spiritual lessons here. So the biggest group, 9,700 of them, got down on their hands and knees, put their face into the water, and drank. That sounds sort of good, because the water means the Holy Spirit, sometimes the Word. He sent them home. But the other three got down, scooped up the water, and kept looking around while they were drinking. They didn't know what they were doing. They were just going down there to drink it. But the Holy Spirit said the ones that, that drank water but was cognizant and looking around while they were doing it, keep them. I think you can get the, the lesson here. Constantly, a thousand times a day maybe, Holy Spirit, what is going on? Keep looking around. Holy Spirit, what's not going on? Holy Spirit, what am I supposed to do? So they were drinking, but they were also cognizant around their circumstances. Why? Because they were going to be... They needed to know what was going on, and you need to know what's going on. You need to take care of ourselves, but also what's going on in our family members and our work and pray for wisdom. Because it's not just to survive, it's to thrive and influence those around us. We're going to make a difference in those people around us. And um, good stuff. <clears throat> I didn't... I'm trying to figure out what time we start. We'll go another few minutes. Let's go back to, uh, there's many directions we go, but let's go back to Gideon. The Lord said in Judges 7, verse 2, this is before he got rid of the 20,000, or the 22,000 left. The Lord said to Gideon, you have too many men. I cannot deliver Midian into their hands, or Israel would boast against me. My own strength has saved me. What's the point? God loves to get all the credit, and he likes small numbers. When the odds look the worst, it's probably God moving. And it's going to require more faith on your part. Would you have liked 32,000 wasn't enough? These guys were bad. I guess I can't say B.A. in here, can I? These guys were bad. (laughs) These guys were bad. 300 people against this huge Midianite army? You guys are bad. I won't say the A. You guys are bad. There's not a whole lot of people in here. Well, maybe 45, 50, I don't know, 30. The smaller the numbers, he likes it better. It's also historical. Let me, you all hopefully have all heard of Hitler and the Nazi movement and what they did and took over all of Western Europe, moved into Russia. Do you realize 
that there were only, of the German population, there was only 3.5% of them were Nazis. But they, it's the ones with the most faith, bravado, and the greater vision that wins. The church for a long time, like decades before my time, has had little faith, gone through the motions, not much bravado. The homosexuality movement, which 20 years ago was, would have never been accepted in, in anywhere, even in our culture, let alone churches. Now it's accepted in almost every major denomination, accepted in our culture, and it's law. Because he did not have people who were full of faith, bravado. And do you realize, at most, during that entire time, the gay movement was 1% to 2% of people. But they had the last voice and a vision. It was a false vision, but it was a vision. You see where I'm going. He is setting us up as 35... There is enough people in this room to affect Whitfield County as the Lord tells us what to do and guides us. There's a better way. And there's a God who loves you. And you can know Him intimately. And your life can be changed and right. There's enough people in here. And so it's, it's, uh, it's, it's going to be good. Let me read this to you. I wrote this down. God always seems to do this. You can see it through the Bible. Get used to being the minority. Rightness is not defined by, my, my, by majority opinion. And it never has been. I'm ready to be bad like Gideon. See, what happens is this, and we'll close with this. What happens with this with faith? Well, how does 3.5% of people change uh, uh, Germany with the Nazis? You can go back in history and you can realize it was a multiplicative effort that was supernaturally empowered by demonic forces. I don't think you even have to... I think you can be a successionist and not believe in the gifts and realize... Hitler was possessed. And all his top lieutenants were possessed. And they had a multiplicative, supernatural, multiplicative effort by demonic spirits. Okay? You know where I'm going. There's enough people in here to change this county because of a supernatural, multiplicative effort of the Holy Spirit. He takes your obedience, that that first slide, don't try to find it, Mike. You take that first obedience. When you take a step, and sometimes it can be a hard step. You may lose relationships, people get mad at you, et cetera, et cetera. But it's you take one step, he'll take ten steps and empower that thing. Amen. Let's stand. I'm going to pray over you guys. And so this is going to be a great two years. It's going to be great opportunities to do faith. And... um Rebuke the worry, rebuke the anxiety, run, redirect. Do not let it set up in your head, because if it's there for any time, time it gets really hard. <clears throat> yeah, let me speak for two or three more minutes. You can sit down or stand up. I just thought of this, because I want to say this. You can, whatever you want to do.
So follow me. This is going to be deep. This is your doctrinal level training here. Fear among Christians often disguises itself as wisdom. Fear among Christians often disguises themselves as wisdom. Have you ever tried to talk to somebody and tell them what you're doing is irrational? It's wrong. It's fearful. Well, what about this? What about that? You cannot talk them out. And it sounds sort of wise on the surface. Well, I'm just being preemptive. I'm being prepared. Okay, we want to be preemptive. We want to be prepared. But if you're not careful... Your mind will talk you out of faith in where you should go. And you're just going to have to be on guard for that. Christianity in America is full of fear that sounds like wisdom. You can meditate on that. You can take notes and come back next week and report. Amen. (laughs) Father, we love you. We're going to go out on a song here. Father, I thank you for these people. I thank you for this group. I thank you for the sheepfold that I'm a part of, and I thank you that it's going to be the best sheepfold in Whitfield County. It's going to be the best people in Whitfield County, and faith and and deeds are, are just going to be off the chart. Go read Judges 7 and see how these 300 people, I gave a whole other lesson, 300 people beat the whole Mennonite army. There's some two powerful lessons in there. Go read Judges 7. You can read it as well as I do. God's going to speak to you as well as I do. And He's going to do the same thing. Love you guys. Amen.